the God we serve is faithful. The God that we serve is righteous. The God that we serve is holy. And the God that we serve is worthy. He's worthy of all our praise. He's worthy of all our glory. Father, we bless you in this place. We give you glory and we give you honor. We've come in your presence, O oh God, to hear a word from you, O oh God. Father, we ask that you would indeed speak, that you would have your way, Holy Ghost. I pray that you would break up the fallow ground of our hearts and our minds and allow us to have a divine experience with you. And Father, when all is said and done, we promise we'll give you all the praise, glory, and honor. For you alone are worthy, and in the worthy name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Go ahead and put your hands together for Jesus. I missed you all on last week, but I praise God for Pastor Drummond and the awesome sermon that he preached. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we are continuing in the same vein when we began talking about the flow of abundance. The first thing we said was that God often tests us in an area of need. God tests us in our area of need. But it doesn't stop there because the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What that means is your heart follows your treasure. Now, a lot of people think that their uh, heart, their, their treasure will be where their heart is, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if somebody's always following somebody around, they say where Jack is, there Jill will be also. Because your heart follows where the treasure is. Uh, ha have you ever... Um, been somewhere with somebody who has a lot of treasure in their car and so they park it way out so that nobody could touch it and then while y'all eating they sitting there wondering and worrying hoping I hope nobody dent my car if somebody dent my car you can't even enjoy the meal because they're worrying about their car where your treasure is that's where your heart will be also uh, have you ever seen somebody who had on this nice outfit? And, and dudes are good for this. And, and back in the day, especially, they would have the tennis shoes. And they spent a lot of money for those shoes. So nobody better scuff them. They're not better be a scratch. They may not brush their own teeth, but they got a toothbrush for their shoes. And if something happened and they stopped, they were like, hold on, I got um, to get that off. Because they put a lot of money in them shoes. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some of us have treasures in all kind of places, and it keeps us up at night. It keeps us up at night, and, and some of us only have a very little treasure, and so we're trying to figure out. Our heart is disturbed by how little our treasure is. 
And so we're trying to figure out how we can expand that thing. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And now as we are talking about money, I don't want you all to think that God needs or even wants your money. The Bible says that silver and gold is his. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. What God wants is your heart. But he knows that your heart is tied to your pocketbook. He knows that your heart is tied to your wallet. And so he said that I got to get all up in your business so I can get all up in here. Do you all hear what I'm saying? And so that's why God often gives us this heart test. We talked about 10 being a number of testing. And God gives us this test to see if we are going to trust him with our money, trust him with our funds, trust him with whatever we have. And so first of all, he tests us in our area of need. But all the while, he shows us that God is our source. I think about the widow who just had a little teeny bit of flour and oil. She was just going to make one little cake, and her and her son planned to die. And then here comes the man of God. The prophet of God says, make me something to eat first, and then you'll have plenty for the rest. Now, I told you, God first tests you in your area of need. She's hungry, and she only got a little bit. But she decided that she would listen to the man of God. She allowed the little bit of oil she had to flow through the hands of God. And the Bible says she then had abundance. She had more than enough to eat for as long as the famine lasted. See, when we allow our little to flow through the hands of God, then we have abundance. The other widow who didn't have anything and they were going to come and take her sons away. He said, what do you have in your house? I only have a little oil. Told her, go get as many um, buckets as you can, as many, and, and pour them in there and sell them. That little bit flowed through the hands of God and her house was filled with oil. So much so she had enough to live off of for the rest of her life. See, God will test you in your area of need. And when you're faithful to him and you allow your little to flow through his hands, you will then have abundance. You all remember the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000? It doesn't matter which one. Uh, they just started with a little bit. Uh, a couple fishes and a six-pack of biscuit. But somebody ate one of them. So it was only five by the time it got to Jesus. So they had five biscuits and some fish. But that little was given to Jesus. It flowed through his hands, and then there was abundance. So God tests you in your place of need. And the Bible says that if you are faithful in the little, then you'll be faithful in the much. He said that if you'll be faithful in the little, then you will get much. 
Job 8, verse 7 says, Though your beginning was small, your latter end would increase abundantly. The Bible says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, Isaiah 48, verse 17. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. And so God says that if you do it my way, I'm going to teach you how to profit. I will teach you how to live life the kingdom way. God will give you kingdom ways to profit and increase when you are faithful to him. The world says buy and sell, but, 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 but God says give and it'll be given to you. The world says borrow and use debt as your friend, but, but, but the word says lend. Don't even want it back. And God will repay you. The world says collect and hoard and be stingy and selfish. But God says, I'm going to teach you how to prosper. Give and it'll be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. I even, I am he who supplies all your needs. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And he added no sorrow to it. So when we decide to be faithful to God, God blesses us. And when he found us, we were in need. But if we stay with him long enough, now we're in abundance. Now, see, I'm preaching this because I need to prepare you all for your abundance. Amen. I thought somebody would be excited. Now, I want you to know that God does not issue abundance always in U.S. currency. Amen. Now, some of y'all are disappointed. Like, I, I, I want him to I only accept U.S. currency. But the Bible says, Jesus says, that life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. There is another abundance that God blesses us with. So first, God will test you in your place of need. You are going to be blessed. Then God's going to test you with greed. Because see, it's one thing when you don't have nothing. But then when God blesses you and you see the fullness of God, then sometimes it gets a little hard. I heard somebody say, you know, I was, um, when I was in lack and poverty, you know, I was rebuking that and I just knew it was of the devil and all this kind of stuff. But nobody prepared me for success. They said, because success is something else too. I mean, maybe many of us don't know all about that, but you've got to be prepared for success also. Uh, this man, he came to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I really need you to pray for me. Remember when we started this faith journey and I was only making $5 a week and I committed to giving God 10%. And, you know, it was nothing giving them just, you know, 50 cents. 
As a matter of fact, it was when I was making $5 a week that I decided to do 20%. It was just a dollar. And as I was faithful to God, then I started making $50 a week. He said, oh, pastor, you know, it was tough, but I gave God $10 every single week. But God has been blessing me and blessing me, pastor, and, and now I'm making $500 a week, and, and it's hard writing a check $100 to the church every week. So, uh, pastor, I need you to pray for me. Because it's getting hard. You know, $100 a week, that's a lot of money. You understand what I'm saying, Pastor? I need you to pray. So the pastor said, oh, oh, I understand. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I need you to be with this brother. Lord, you see his struggle. And in the name of Jesus, we need you to take him back down to $5 a week. Because, see, sometimes it's easy when you don't have a lot. It was easy for him to get that dollar. And then God blesses us, and then we get tested in that area with greed. So, let's open our Bibles. We'll start in the verse that we read today, 2 Chronicles chapter 31. And this is Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was trying to get everybody back on track. Because folk had fallen out with God, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do, and he began to read in the book of the law, and when he did, he saw all this stuff that they were supposed to be doing. And so, uh, in verse 3, you will find that one of the first things that Hezekiah did, verse 3, of chapter 31 of 2nd Chronicles it says the king also appointed a portion of his possessions for the burnt offering for the morning and evening burnt offerings the burnt offerings for the Sabbath and the new moons and the set feasts as it is written in the law of the Lord so first thing he does is say you know what I'm going to as a leader Set aside a portion of my stuff. It doesn't even say it was a, just a tithe. He said, I'm going to handle the morning, the evening, the Sabbaths, the new moons. I'm going to handle it. But the next verse says, and then he commanded the people. Now, he didn't tell them to do anything he wasn't doing. He didn't preach a sermon and, and say, I hope y'all get this and I hope to get it too. He made the example and then he commanded the people that they would then give their tithe, that they would give of the first fruits. And the Bible says that the people did it. You all understand, first fruits, and that means when the very first came, they gave it to the house of the Lord. The very first. And the Bible says that they gave it abundantly. Amen. So three months later, because like the first fruit should be over three months later, right? I mean, we should be on the second fruits, right? Or the third fruit. We should be on something else than the first fruits. And so the Bible says in the third month, verse 7, they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. Now, Hezekiah 
saw all this heap of stuff. That he's like, well, if all this food and grain and honey and oxen and all this stuff is laying up at the church, this much of it, the people must be starving. Because remember, this is past first fruits, right? So if they're doing this all the way through the seventh month, that means this is the food they're supposed to be eating, and it's up at the church. So Hezekiah goes in and says, hey, what's going on? Are the people okay? Are they eating? I'm, you know, what is going on? Why, are all, why is all this stuff heaped here? Verse 10, Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered and said, since the people began to bring the offering to the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people. So the people were faithful, so God blessed them, so that when their first trees had finished doing first fruits, God had blessed them with second businesses that were now bearing first fruits and new fields in the fifth month. They were seeing new first fruits, new businesses, new territory, new things all over. And he said, the people are fine. Since they have been faithful to God, God has been faithful to them. And what you see is a result of the blessing of God. That should get somebody excited. Because it's like a never-ending cycle. God blesses us, so we bless him. So he blesses us, so we bless him. So he blesses us, so he... Now, and, it, and it just keeps going like that till you don't have room enough to receive it. Now, the only way that thing gets messed up is if he blesses us, and 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 he blesses us, and, blesses us, and then will a man rob God? He said, I want to rebuke the devourer. He said, I want to bless your gas. Now, I want, you all to, I want you all to do that. Now, we had a testimony in prayer meeting about how they didn't have no gas, and they prayed over it, and God got them all the way from San Bernardino to Moreno Valley. Amen? Now, that was last week. Then somebody else told me that they had been praying on their gas, and God had been multiplying it in a serious way. So I said, well, I'm about to start praying that God would bless my gas. Because the gas is too high. So I said, Lord, I need you to multiply this gas. Now, I want you all to pray on your gas. I'm, I'm, you think I'm playing. I, I want you all to drive on anointed gas. Amen? And then, when you're not standing around the water cooler, talk about how expensive gas. Well, I don't find it that expensive. I haven't had to buy gas for a minute. And then people are going to be like, well, what kind of gas you get? Jesus. And then you be a testimony. Honey, BP, Shell, Arco, Costco, they are not my source. I go to the rock that is higher than I. And I ask that God would bless my gas, multiply my gas. He blesses me, and I bless him, and he blesses me. 
Now, see, I want you all, I, I'm, I'm doing this because I want you all to step into the flow of abundance. Because many times we live in poverty and we think that we are too poor to do what God has asked us to do. And we're just too poor. But when we begin to get in the flow of abundance, God says, prove me. He said, test me. See if I won't. And then he said, God ain't a man that he should lie. Have I said it and shall I not do it? Has he spoken it and shall he not bring it to pass? But the thing is, we have got to believe God. And so God tests us with greed. Because our God is so good. He blesses us. We are so blessed that he says, you know what? Everybody else may be in this rat race. Everybody else may think they have to work seven days a week, but that ain't your testimony. You ain't got to work on Saturday. You get to sit down somewhere. Your kids, your plumber, your nanny, your anybody, everybody get to sit down somewhere. On Saturday, it don't matter what the finances look like because I'm your source. You do not have to work on Saturday. That's what the Bible says. And, and, and God, he's not doing this to be mean. He's not doing this to keep you poor. He said the Sabbath was made for men. That means he came to bless you. Everybody else can lose their mind. Everybody else can be up in the office on Saturday. But that ain't your testimony. You do not have to do that. Now, this is the thing. Now, God already said you ain't got to. You're like, oh, I've been missing you. Where you been? My boss said I had to. My boss said I had to come in on Saturday. So now you got a dilemma on who you going to believe. Because God said, I ain't got to come to work on Saturday. Am I right or wrong? Y'all don't look like y'all like this word. What I'm just telling you is that God is trying to give you all freedom. Because many of us are losing our minds, trying to work so hard and trying to get that check. That's where our heart is. We can't make it to church because of work. We can't do for the Lord because we working. And the Bible said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so your heart is down the street somewhere. Keep looking like when the sun goes, ooh, as soon as I say, I got to go to work, I got to do this, I got to do that. And that is not God's will for his people. When the Israelites came out of uh, Egypt, they kept wanting onions and leeks and silly stuff like that from Egypt. All that stuff, those are ground plants. You got to till and you got to work hard and all. God was trying to rain down bread from heaven. All they had to do was exist. All they had to do was walk out. God was providing for them. And they sitting there like, I wish we was in Egypt so we could be picking that cotton. For real? God is trying to free you. God is trying to allow you freedom. And when you get it, you better believe there's going to be a test. 
is going to be a test. You're going to want to be able to keep up your standard of living. You're going to be tested with greed. He, start, he started with need, and now comes the greed. And you're going to be trying to figure out, well, should I go in? They said I got to go in. If I don't go in, I might not have a job. But you still have a source. So Abraham, Genesis chapter 14. That's okay. I know it's a hard word today. It's a hard word today. But I'm trying to tell you that if you live it, it will not be hard. When everybody else fussing, you've got peace like a river. Peace that passes all understanding. They're trying to want, why you don't want to cuss the boss out? First of all, I wasn't even here when he was losing his mind. I was resting. I was communing with the great God Almighty. So Genesis chapter 14. This is Abraham, but his name hadn't been changed yet, so they called him Abram. And what happened? Abram was blessed by God. The previous chapter says that he was very, very rich. God had blessed him abundantly. Even Lot, his nephew, they were so blessed that they, they had so much stuff. They couldn't even, even though they were God's people and they was church people and all that stuff, they had so much stuff, they could not coexist peacefully. They said, so you know what? Uh, y'all know how y'all get with y'all family some, sometimes, be like, if she go over here, I'm going over there. If he go over there, then I'm going over here. It was one of those kind of parties. That's what Abraham said. He said, look, it's all before you. If you go that way, then I'm going to go this way. You go this way, I'm going to go that way. They had to, because we want to remain family. So let's not keep fighting, being all up in each other's face. So the Bible says that Lot looked and he saw uh, that it was beautiful over here and it was near Sodom. And so he took his family near Sodom. And then the Bible pauses and says, and the men of Sodom were very wicked. Now by the time we get to the next chapter, we find that Sodom is a part of the first world war. I mean, I don't think it was that many nations, but nine nations were at war at the beginning of Genesis chapter 14. Sodom gets caught up, and Lot is right in the middle. I don't know how in three verses he living in Sodom, but he there now. Like, hey. That's why the Bible says, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Because see, what happened was, even though Lot was righteous, he was in the wrong place with the wrong folk. So everybody in Sodom got captured. So they got carried away as prisoners of war. Now I mentioned this is a world war. It was five, five nations against four. And Sodom had, was... They had five of five nations. They was on the team with the most players. And they still lost. And the war was in Sodom. 
and they still lost. The Bible said they was falling in their own tar pit. Now that don't make no sense. This show yard, you didn't know it was a hole right there? And so here they are. They're captured, and somebody goes back and tells Abraham that Lot is captured. So Abraham now goes, I'm talking about the favor of the Lord. Abraham now goes with his servants. He has 318 servants. And he takes those 300 men and does what five nations could not do. I'm talking about the favor of the Lord. And so Abraham goes with 300 men and fights four nations and defeats them and brings everybody back. Now, Abraham was under covenant with God. Abraham was told that he was going to be blessed by God. And so maybe Abraham thought that this was his big payday. I told you, we're tested, one, in our place of, and then we're tested with. So here comes Abram back from the war, and two kings come to meet him. One, the king of Sodom, whose name was Bera, and the other was the king of Salem, whose name was Melchizedek. Let's read that in verse 18. Well, verse 17, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheveth, that's the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Shadow-Leomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was the priest of, the God, of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram the, of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. That means he possesses all things. That he is indeed the source. That little reminder right there, that's all he got. And blessed be the, most, the God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hands. So it wasn't you, it was God. And he gave him a tithe of all. So Abraham must have seen this as increase, all the stuff that he had. And he gave it a tithe, 10%, to Melchizedek. Now the Bible seems to make me believe at least that Melchizedek could have been Jesus. Now where did I get that from? Uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, 7, from the very first verse, it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, that sounds familiar, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Now, now they describe this king without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. So I can't think really of anybody else who has no mother, no father, no genealogy, no beginning, no end, but Jesus the Christ. 
And so here Abraham is, and he gives him of the first fruits. And then the king of Sodom comes and says, listen here. You can keep all this money. You can keep all this everything. Just let my people go. So now Abraham has this opportunity to get the spoils of five nations. That's hot. And he had to do a whole lot for it because the Bible says that God did most of the work in the battle. So here he has this opportunity. And here comes Sodom. We know Sodom represents wickedness. All kinds of bad things in Sodom. And they come to try to make a deal with Abraham. But what did Abraham do? He was tested now with greed. But the Bible says, but Abraham, verse 22, said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I would not take anything that is yours, lest you should say you are my source. Lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. He said, when I get to where I am going, nobody is going to be able to confuse my success with the deal I made with the devil, with Sodom, with the stock market, with the Harvard education, with the degrees by my name. When I get to where I'm going, everybody is going to know that it was because of God. God is the only source that I have. The enemy will come and try to give you shortcuts, will try to give you a whole lot for a whole little. And a lot of times we are presented with opportunities. God allows opportunities that he never meant for us to take. That just helps somebody. Because a lot of times we see opportunities and we're like, well, if God did it, why would he do it if he didn't want me to have it? We make all kind of compromises. Why would God bless me with this talent if he didn't want me to be out in the streets sharing it with people? God often gives opportunities he does not want you to take. Do you, do you all remember uh, David? And Saul, Saul was trying to kill him. He was trying to kill him all the time. And David would just run up on him. And David could have easily taken his life. But all he would do is take a piece of his robe and say, does this belong to anybody? <laughs> he had an opportunity to kill the man that was trying to kill him. But God blessed him with that opportunity he did not want him to take. And David was man enough to realize, I can't touch the Lord's anointed. But somebody said, but if you weren't supposed to touch him, why would God bring him to you? And that happened not once, but twice. Be like, David, you messed up the first time and God had to bring him back. If you don't kill this man, I'm a killer. And David said, no, we will not touch the Lord's anointed. And because he had respect for the king and the office, God was able to place him in there. 
God allows opportunities that he does not want us to take. He tests us in areas of need, then he tests us in areas of greed. Now watch this, and I'm going to sit down. I told you this whole thing is about what? Your heart, right? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I didn't just make that up. That, that's, that's like for real. Did you ever wonder how at the end of time, like people would be bowing down to the beast and stuff? Did you ever wonder how great Christians and, 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 and people that you really thought were strong in Christ would crumble when it came down to it? You ever wonder? The Bible tells you, Revelation chapter 13. And I'm going to read a nice big chunk of it because I want you all to get the context. I'm going to start at verse 11. It said, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb but spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was helped. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Verse 16. He causes all. How many? Both small and great, rich and poor. So, so old and young, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. How did he do it? He tapped into their pockets. Next verse. So that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. See, people get so caught up with that money. He knows that where the treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he said, I don't have to convince these good Christians to give me their heart. All I got to do is get into their pockets. All I have to do is convince them that what they need is more money. All I have to do is convince them that they need to be focused on money. And then when I take away their ability to do what they do, when I take away their ability to shop, and they addicted to that money thing, then all of a sudden, they'll do whatever I say. Oh, it's so quiet in here, but I know I'm preaching now. It's a little scary, ain't it? It's a little scary. That is why it is so important. Because at the end of time, if you have lived your life in such a way that you already know, I don't need my honey. Now, can you imagine, you know, did you know that black people didn't even know there was a Great Depression? Did you know that? I mean, they didn't have nothing, so the fact that something went away escaped them. They lived for so long without it, they didn't know. 
And they were just singing, picking cotton, singing. I got shoes, I got a robe. You know, barely got clothes, but they singing. They got the joy of the Lord. And people were jumping off of, these people in slavery, they're not killing them. Some people jumping off of buildings. Not that slavery and the Great Depression took place at the same time. However, blacks were still in a very oppressed time then. And when people who had all kind of money at the prospect of losing it, many of them lost their lives. They tried to kill themselves. But there were some people who never had nothing but knew that God was the one who would provide their every need. Whatever they needed to eat, he would give it to them. Whatever they needed to wear, he would provide it for them. And so they were so used to providing or for subsisting on something other than money when money went away, they were not faced. And God is looking for a people who are not so concerned with money. Hello, see, it got quiet when I said God is looking for a people, but a people who know that God is their source. So if I can't buy or sell, cool. God will send ravens and feed me. God will send the designers who design the clothes of the lilies of the field. God will still be my provider. And so when they say you can't buy yourself, you'd be like, so? You just saved me from going to work. Because God is my source. You all, I want you all to get this in your spirit so deep. Because even in our lives, even in our meetings, even here at the church, sometimes we think, well, if we had more money, but what we need is more faith. What we need is more power. What we need is more anointing. Because that power, that faith, that anointing, that can do much more than what money can do. Do you all hear what I'm saying? God is calling for our hearts. Now, unfortunately, as the musicians begin to play, we realize that where our treasury is, there our hearts will be also. So I want my treasure, I want my heart, I want my everything to be as close to God as possible. God is calling for us to be obedient to his word. He said, return unto me, and I'm going to return unto you. He said, I will rebuke the devourer. When you become a kingdom person, the economy of where you live isn't your problem. When I visit, when I preach in other countries where the economy isn't as good as the America I'm not tripping I'm just there for a season but I know where my citizenship is that everything is all right how many know the word says our citizenship is in heaven so stuff may be going on crazy down here but where I'm really from the economy is good where I'm really from they drive on gold. Where I'm really from, milk, and I don't got to go to the grocery store. Milk just gush out the place. There's trees with fruit. I don't have to have health care. 
there's healing in the leaves. Where I'm really from? We just got to remember that God is our source. And if we would be faithful to him, he will supply every single one of our needs. And when I say needs, I don't just mean money. I don't just mean mortgage payments. I don't just mean food. I mean peace. I mean love. I mean integrity. I mean creativity. I mean righteousness. I mean love. I mean forgiveness. I mean healing from your past. I mean unsearchable riches. Stuff that only God can give you. You can have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but I want to live in the flow of abundance.